SB9 was signed by Gavin Newsom into law. What is it? What does it mean for you? That and more on this episode. You're listening to The Andre Segovia Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Andres Segovia Show. I am your host, Andres Segovia, broker service in Los Angeles and Orange County, California. And for those of you that are new listeners, you're probably not aware that I'm also involved in the construction industry. In fact, I was involved in the construction industry long before I got involved into real estate uh, professionally. I did do buy, sell, and trade um, as an individual, too. Uh, so I bring that perspective to what I do for a living and here on this program whenever I discuss uh, financial matters and anything anything policy-wise that will come down the pipeline that will affect any of that uh, and obviously when there's moratoriums issued for XYZ reasons. So in California, after September 16, uh, Governor Newsom signed SB9. SB9 uh, basically eliminates single-family zoning. Uh, what that means is they will not be allowed to make new construction of new single-family homes uh, as of January 2022. Now, as for the existing property that's already on single-family zones, uh, they're allowed now to be able to amplify their property or if they got enough space to build more on it Uh, and for a lot of property owners that have wanted to make use of that land in that sense like if they wanted to build residential uh, income property on their own single family home they were not allowed to do it because it was zoned to be single family only there's multiple different zonings for residential they're called they usually label like this R1, R2, R3, R4. Basically, the, the unit number two units, three units, four units. Four units is the cap when it comes to anything residential. Anything above that is considered commercial. That means that dictates what and how you can use that land. So the zoning was really done as a way to help cities manage the general master plan and how they handled the infrastructure and planned infrastructure, uh, especially because of population growth and this and that. Uh, I wanna just touch on some of the points of SB9 and what it can mean for business and property owners uh, in general. So SB9 basically doesn't allow the construction of single family homes starting in the new year. Uh, that means what if something's going to be built, it's going to have to be two, three or four units uh, on that uh, parcel if they're going to be uh, considered residential. Now, for a lot of uh, investors, that's music to their ears. And for some property owners, they'll, they will enjoy the ability to be able to uh, make more use of their property and build equity into that. And by virtue of that, creating wealth to pass on to uh, the next generation, which may or may not be hampered by Proposition 19. Okay, uh, that's something I've covered before, which I recommend you check out. So if you are a new listener that's come across my program or are a semi-regular listener, but you missed out on some of the other programming, I want to take a moment to please invite you to check out my website at www.theandrasegovia.com. Wherever I talk about anything with relations to the show, whether uh, it's video platform or audio only, it comes to the website. And if you do follow me on YouTube, uh, there's exclusive content that would appear there, but it always appears on the website. For those of you who subscribe only to the podcast, you don't get the full show. That's just the nature of things and the way things are managed on the back end with the RSS feeds. But I recommend you check out my website, www.thingersegovia.com. As for real estate resources, that's my other website, www.segoviares.com. And these two websites link to one another too. So if you go to one, you can find your way to the other. I recommend you go check it out. And of course, if you like what you hear, hit a like on that like button wherever you're listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss out on any updates that are ongoing because I'm going to be covering a lot more news. 
of things that are going on that are going to affect you as either an investor, tenant, property owner. In other words, everybody. So why all of a sudden are we allowed to use our single family property to be able to make it a multifamily residence? Well, that has a lot to do with the concerns that, that we've been going through here in California, particularly the housing affordability and inventory crisis. Some would argue that those two go hand in hand. Uh, others would argue one side or the other of that story where we have a lack of inventory causing the rise in prices. Then the other case uh, is that while the inventory being built does not affect actual um, real estate pricing, so it doesn't alleviate that. And there's a bunch of other factors that I'm not going to get into on this episode, but that you should be aware of for how these things are occurring because it is the opinion of yours truly that this will not alleviate the housing affordability crisis. Uh, I do not agree that we have an inventory crisis. So the attention has been given more to inventory than it has been to affordability in a sense, but we'll see where the where the chips land. I'm hoping to be to be wrong on this, but again, I emphasize that this is my opinion based on fact, but I do not see SB9 alleviating the affordability aspect of things. On that topic of affordability though, one thing that we expect to see in the business world is that now with property, even though it's a single family residence and there'll be a, a second or third, fourth unit, that we should be able to see uh, more favorable lending in a sense to that property, whether um, it's it's a refi or even a purchase of a particular duplex that was in a, that's in a single family residence where before it's like, uh-uh, it's not legal because you have two units when it's only uh, allowed to be one unit, no concerns there on the lending side because it will it will be legitimate or at least it's intended to be legitimate because the state and local agencies should recognize it as official occupancy and if done right there should be a certificate of occupancy issued to that effect to confirm that this other unit is a legal habitable unit because we didn't get that with the accessory dwelling unit law that accessory dwelling unit law was passed several years ago with the intent of what is being used now as the excuse for eliminating single family zoning in that we got to address the housing affordability crisis, thereby doing away with uh, it, any limitations of being able to use certain part of the land. Some of the concerns initially about SB9 where the original language said that the state said the no local agency will be involved. Well, local agencies still have some precedence over uh, the health and safety uh, regulations and of course the historical preservation of some neighborhoods so if you are in a historical preservation um, area and you were concerned that your suburban place was going to become an urban place uh, with its uh, changing dynamics, you shouldn't be concerned about that because technically a local agency that's trying to preserve the historical aspect and aesthetics of the, of the neighborhood uh, take precedence over whatever the state has said. So at least that's as far as we've heard. We're going to know more come January 2022. And we should know more with respect to how lending will work uh, to that sense or to that effect. So there's a lot to be extrapolated from this. Uh, I know investors that usually would only be on the lookout for any R2, R3, R4 zoned property will now be able to uh, feel better about competing for single family homes and not feel like they're pay- overpaying for a single family home that won't have that much of a return. Whereas now they'll be able to take more advantage of 
turning over that property if they can to maximize the value in it by building all this equity to it. Now for homeowners, some of that would also be music to their ears uh, because we do have multi-generational living happening a lot more, I would say in my generation. Um, and in doing so, that's they will be able to take advantage of that somewhere down the road. The one barrier to a lot of that is basically uh, the investment side of things. So that's where I mean, I don't know but if that's gonna truly help in the affordable sense because do you know how much an average art accessory dwelling unit if done right costs? It can cost you up to three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars. That's almost like building a house, and that was before the the endemic where we have uh, all this inflation and stuck supply chain lines that are happening. And when you take into consideration if you're going to build something new and you got to adhere to uh, new building code standards that push up the price and requirements uh, that basically mean you, you need to use more expensive product and supplies for your building, uh, then that really takes, it really takes a toll. So I know some people might look at this and take it and go the illegitimate route. Well, they will not use the permitting system to be able to get what they want. Uh, so I do see a lot of that continuing to happen. I mean, it still happens now. It's just that if you can get it done legally, might as well do it that way because the last thing you want is for the city to come in and say, look, you're going to have to demolish this anyway and build a new if you're going to want to keep it that way. So you don't you don't want to go down that road. But the point is that, yeah, it's, there's a big barrier to entry when it comes to financing, which is why it's going to be interesting to see how the lending rules all play out when all is said and done. So I'm looking forward to uh, having on the program one of my... Uh, one of my lenders to be able to discuss this very thing once these things are more concrete. When the time comes, I'll address it. So wherever you're consuming this content, whether it's the, the video podcast or the podcast itself, if you want to reach out to me on some of the socials or even on YouTube and add to the comments some questions that you might have if you're Californian and are looking to see how this can benefit you, uh, leave your questions there and I'll try to compile all of them so I can uh, address this with uh, with my lender when I sit down with him and discuss with him in the coming weeks or even months uh, as things become more uh, clear. Another thing that SB9 allows for is lot splitting. I know of properties that have a single family home and a huge yard that sometimes goes unused. And some people have wanted to add onto it to say, hey, look, I have enough space to build the house and still have a backyard, maybe even a pool, but the zoning regulations wouldn't allow me to do that. Well, now SB9 says you can do that. There's some limitations here and there about what you can or cannot do, but you are able to do that. And hey, look, in some extreme cases, if you do a lot split and the lots are big enough, theoretically, you can put four units on each of those parcel of lots. That's why some some neighbors that are not entirely all excited about it are concerned that, well, it's going to go from one house to basically uh, like a, an apartment project. It, who knows? It might be. That's technically something that you will be within the realm of possibility to do. And it's something that once the new year comes around and whatever local agencies have established for the general master plan, you'll be able to know if you could do that on your property. That's what I wanted to say about the business aspect of things and there is another element to all this because i bring different perspectives to what i do here on my show uh it's not just business even though i'm talking business news and finance uh, and occasionally of course i talk tech and other things that i that well it's me in my show but there is the other part of me okay there is not the business side of me but the person side of me that 
I am not looking at this solely in the business uh, eyes. In fact, I was a strong opposer to SB9 and I still am. I'm just being transparent here and telling you I'm putting my biases aside to tell you what is going to be available for you to take advantage of for the new year. But I also believe it's prudent that you understand a lot of these changes that are happening that sometimes you're not aware of and you find out after the fact. You're not alone in all this. Me too. There's just too many things to try to keep track of and probably like yours truly, uh, you have a life to live and businesses to operate, whether you're putting in extra overtime or you're running that operation, you know, there's a lot of things, not to mention trying to make time for the family too. So in the next episode, I'll address uh, some of my misgivings about this whole SB9 thing and uh, go over some of the reasons why I don't think it was prudent to do away with single family zoning because you might not know entirely why or what excuses were used to get rid of single family zoning. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode of the Andres Agobis Show. Remember to like, share, subscribe to stay in the know and you will be in the know and I'll see you on the next episode.